Thank you for listening to the Sunday School Teaching Ministry of Pastor Luke Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today. Weeping for a Nation, Lesson 18 today. Exciting book of Jeremiah. I've been so blessed by just digging in, and I want to thank you and commend you for being here nice and early, an hour earlier than normal you're here today, so well done. All right, well, uh, there's a piece of graffiti that was found on a London wall in 1979. Here's what it said. There's no problem so big or complicated that it can't be run away from. <laughs> There's no problem so big or complicated that it can't be run away from. And uh, that seems to be the approach of some people. And uh, some people just take that approach in life. And today we're going to meet a king that fits that description. His name is Zedekiah. He is the last king of Judah. Actually, we're going to see the inner character of Zedekiah and the, another man, Jeremiah. The, the inner character of these two men. One had faith like a bulldog. The other wanted to, be, wanted to believe, but was afraid of what people would say. One endured persecution like a man. <laughs> like, uh, like a man. The other acted like a child. One had a backbone, the other had a yellow streak down his back. One stood on the unchanging word of God. The other just agreed with the last person he talked to. One was a marshmallow. The other was an iron pillar. And it was a time of crisis, and it's, it is a time of crisis. And in a time of crisis for us today, when what we're made of is revealed. And it was a time of crisis that revealed what these two men, Zedekiah and Jeremiah, were really made of. If I was giving a title to this, I would call it the marshmallow and the iron pillar. And I get those, ter those terms from something uh, Eugene Peterson said. He said this about Zedekiah. Listen to the, his quote here. Nothing lasted long with Zedekiah. The man was a marshmallow. And we'll explain all this in a minute. But the man was a marshmallow. He received impressions from anyone who pushed hard enough. When the pressure was off, he gradually resumed his earlier state, ready for the next impression. In contrast to Jeremiah, who was formed within by obedience to God and faith in God, an iron pillar, Zedekiah just took on whatever shape the circumstances required. So the, by the way, the reason we would call Jeremiah an iron pillar was actually something that God called him. Back in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 18, I have this verse here for you. Just look at this one real quick. We're going to go back to his original calling. For behold, God says to Jeremiah, I have made thee this day a defensed city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. God made Jeremiah a very strong man. He put in him some inner strength as he yielded to the Lord because he had a very difficult task ahead of him. And the task was to deliver the word of God, deliver the word of judgment 
more specifically, and he would do that for 40 years, again and again and again and again and again. And he would have to stand strong no matter what would happen. Before we go on, I want to ask ourselves this. Am I a marshmallow or an iron pillar? Am I allowing the world or other people to make impressions on me? Or am I standing in faith like an iron pillar? This is a story. We're going to go through this story here. And as we go through the story, I just hope the Lord touches our heart and strengthens us and encourages us for the days that you're going to face and the days I'm going to face ahead. Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 1. Here's, here begins this story. The king Zedek, and King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of uh, Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land did hearken unto the words of the Lord, which he spake by the prophet Jeremiah. So here's what's going on. Zedekiah is the last king of Judah before the Babylonian captivity. This is the last time Israel would be recognized as a nation until 1948, only about a, a little over, less than 100 years ago. Zedekiah was placed as king by Nebuchadnezzar because there had already been a couple deportations. Nebuchadnezzar had already come in to Judah, uh, showed his power, took some people out, and uh, back to Babylon with him. And so the people that were left, Nebuchadnezzar placed a king over them, just as uh, almost a puppet king. And so Zedekiah was there in charge, but, ba uh, but Babylon still was ultimately in charge. But Zedekiah, the problem with him is he started to listen to his counselors and the false prophets around him who were encouraging him to revolt against Nebuchadnezzar. Let's revolt. Let's rebel. But all the while, Jeremiah had been delivering one single message, and that was, listen, just surrender to Nebuchadnezzar. Just surrender. This is God's judgment. He's allowing this. If he wanted to stop it, he could, but he's not. This is part of his plan. Just surrender to God's plan and let it happen. And um, this is the second time this has happened, this rebellion. Uh, they had already once, the king right before Zedekiah had rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar and it upset him. So this is the second time it happened, and so Nebuchadnezzar was done. He's angry, so he sends a huge army to come and end this whole thing once and for all. And they place a siege around Jerusalem. People are not, people are starting to become, uh, to lack food and basic necessities, water. Uh, it is getting really bad inside the walls of Jerusalem. But listen, from God's perspective, verse 2 there, look what it, this is God's uh, looking, he, here's what he's thinking as he's looking down. Neither he nor his servants, he's talking about the king or his servants, or the people of the land did hearken unto the words of the Lord. Yes, all this stuff is happening, but what God is seeing is a whole land of people who are not listening to him. He's told them many, many times, come to me, come to me, and, I, and you'll be saved. Repent, turn to me, and all this will be done. But they have not. Jeremiah for 40 years has been speaking this at great length. We've been looking at that in this book. Verse 3, And Zedekiah the king sent Jehuchel, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, 
Pray now unto the Lord our God for us. Verse 4, Now Jeremiah came in and went out among the people, for they had not put him into prison. Then Pharaoh's army was come forth out of Egypt, and when the Chaldeans that besieged Jerusalem heard tidings of them, they departed from Jerusalem. So here's what's happening real quick. An army was coming up from, uh, from Egypt, Pharaoh's army out of Egypt to fight Babylon. They want domination of the region. They, they want to be the world power, and they're hoping that they could help out and then get rid of this Babylonian army here. Well, this got everybody in Jerusalem excited. Well, hey, hey, Egypt's coming up. They're going to fight against Babylon. We might actually have a chance here. Uh, if they take this army that's besieging us away. Well, Zedekiah, he wanted to be sure about that, so he instinctively knows who always tells him the truth. <laughs> Jeremiah. Ah, I know. Let, let me go to him and see what he says. So he sends some, some people to go ask Jeremiah to pray for them and give him what God says. Harmless enough, right? But I, if you're thinking about this, here's what, the way this sounded to Jeremiah. <clears throat> Jeremiah, I know we never listen to anything you say, but could you please pray and get a word for me? Because I can't, I can't, I want to be confident that we're going to win here. But the iron pillar doesn't budge. Verse 6, then came the word of the Lord unto the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, thus shall ye say to the king of Judah that sent you unto me to inquire of me. Behold, Pharaoh's army, which is come forth to help you, shall return to Egypt unto their own land. And the Chaldeans, or the Babylonians, shall come again and fight against this city, that is Jerusalem, and take it and burn it with fire. Thus saith the Lord, deceive not yourselves, saying, the Chaldeans shall surely depart from us, for they shall not depart. For though ye had smitten the whole army of the Chaldeans that fight against you, and there remained but wounded men among them, yet should they rise up, every man in his tent, and burn the city with fire. Okay, <laughs> that is not the word that Zedekiah was hoping for. The, the answer from God was the same as it had always been. God's word has not changed. Just because the Babylonian army has left to go fight Egypt temporarily, they will still come back and burn this city down. Even if it were just the wounded left, even if there was just a bunch of guys out there that were completely messed up, they are still going to win, and they're still going to burn this city down. See, the circumstances at the moment made it look like that perhaps Jeremiah's prophecies wouldn't come true. God's word wasn't going to happen. But current circumstances, and you know this, current circumstances don't ever change the word of God, ever. Even if the skeptics start stacking up circumstantial evidence against God, well, look at this, well, look at this, well, look at this, let me just tell them something. You're just misinterpreting the evidence. That's the same thing these people were doing. Oh, the evidence is Egypt is coming up to help us. We're going to be free from this. Nope. God's word is still going to happen. Even if all the odds are against God, even if all the odds are not in God's favor, people are not factoring in the supernatural. 
You look at everything. Oh, this is, I don't know if God can take this one. Oh, yes, he can. God's word will not fail, period. Look at all that's happening on the world stage. Does God know about what's going on? Of course he does. God's word, God's word does not fail, no matter what is happening right now. Period, exclamation mark. Well, you know that this message did not sit well with them. I, I've noticed in the book of Jeremiah, he was not really good at making friends. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, and this means that things are gonna get worse for Jeremiah. Here's what happens, verse 11. And it came to pass that when the army of the Chaldeans was broken up from Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army. Then Jeremiah went forth out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to separate himself thence in the midst of the people. Which just means probably that he just needed some, had some business to take care of. He was gonna go out of, Jerem, out of uh, Jerusalem for just a minute over into ben, the land of Benjamin. Maybe look at that little piece of property he bought recently. Verse 13, and when he was in the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the ward was there, whose name was Erijah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah. Remember that guy? And he took Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Thou fallest away to the Chaldeans. Then said Jeremiah, It is false. I fall not away to the Chaldeans. But he hearkened not to him. So Erijah took Jeremiah and brought him to the princes. Wherefore, the princes were wroth or angry with Jeremiah and smote him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. So here's what happened. Because the Babylonian soldiers had left to go fight Egypt, Jeremiah thinks this is a good time <laughs> to go leave Jerusalem temporarily, take care of some business in Benjamin, just this, this uh, little bit outside of the city. Well, as he's going to the gate, he gets arrested at the gate for, for defecting to the enemy. You're defecting to the enemy. You're going with them. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And they take him and they put him in prison. Notice, again, it's the grandson of Hananiah who had a, very, who had a previous strong run-in with Jeremiah. So there's some personal animosity going on here. And I'm sure his haters felt like they finally had their reason to arrest this preacher of doom. We finally have a reason to get him. See, we told you all the time. He, he, he's for Babylon. No, he's not. But where is the king during all of this? Where is King Zedekiah? You're not going to believe what he does. Verse 16. When Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon, that is these, they would actually have holes in the ground, and into the cabins or prison cells. This is not glamping for Jeremiah here. And Jeremiah had remained there many days. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. So, real quick here, he waited many days. He waited many days. He let Jeremiah sit there in those things for many days. Okay, all right. But I'm sure he's now going to apologize and help Jeremiah out. And the king asked, here, the rest of the verse, and the king asked him secretly in his house and said, is there any word from the Lord? Excuse me, no, no apology. No, I'm sorry about that. They shouldn't have done that. I know you're a man of God. None of that. He just goes straight to it. Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there is. 
For, said he, thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. There's your word, king. This king, who will not listen, pulls out Jeremiah secretly, secretly, brings him into the house. Why secretly? Because he doesn't want his counselors to know what he's doing. He doesn't want talk going on inside the kingdom uh, uh, about what the king is doing. He's afraid of what they will say, and he, does, and he gives no concern for Jeremiah's well-being at all. And Zedekiah just asks him if there are any more words from the Lord. It's almost comical here. And actually, a quick answer from Jeremiah, and that's almost funny too, because Jeremiah says, I don't need to go talk to the Lord for you. <laughs> Is there any word from the Lord? Yes, I have already told you. Here's your word. You're going down. And the Lord already said that. The word of God has not changed. The word of God has not changed, and it will not change. How come you can't get that through your head? But I have to ask myself here, why is this king wanting to see Jeremiah again? Why isn't Zedekiah just going to his counselors and prophets and just listening to them? He's been listening to them, obviously, so far. Why didn't you stick with those guys? Why does he have to go to the preacher? It has to be, as I've just been pondering this and thinking about this and studying this week, it has to be that the king, in truth, deep down, he doubted the false prophets, and he knew that Jeremiah was telling the truth. There was just something about Jeremiah that had the ring of truth, and, there's, and there is something about the truth that makes men think. Zedekiah really seemed to be one of those people who couldn't get over the roadblocks. As more we're gonna look at him here, he, he, he wanted to believe. There was times where he really, I, I felt like, I feel like he's on the edge of believing and standing on it and accepting the truth. But just those roadblocks, and we're gonna find out really what the big roadblock is in a, in a little bit. But one commentator pictured Zedekiah this way. He said, he was a king much more bound than the prisoner that stood before him. Jeremiah, yes, was a prisoner, but really, Zedekiah was the one who was in prison. He was in prison to his own fears and to the, what people might say. And this is who we come in contact with every day. These are the people you and I work with, the, pe the people we're around, we do business with. People who are bound. They could be free. They could be free if they would just accept the truth, accept the Lord. Yesterday, um, and by the way, this is why crisis tends to really get people thinking and bringing people to the Lord because crisis or a death in the family, let's say, or something creates an awareness of reality. And then people want real answers. They, they, they're looking for something a little deeper than what they've been, been hearing. And I was sitting in a funeral yesterday and it's interesting because... Um, at a funeral, I, I go to lots of funerals because usually I'm doing something, you know, and either preaching at the funeral or organizing the funeral or doing something with the funeral. So, that's, I, so when I'm in this funeral, these funerals, I'm, I'm so focused. I, don't, I can't think about the big questions of life. But it was interesting for me to just sit in a funeral and take it all in. And I was sitting there and I was pondering then, it hit me, my own funeral. So maybe this happens to you when you go to funerals, but it was kind of new for me. And I was sitting there just thinking, these people were standing up saying things about this person, and I was thinking, what are they going to say about me? Well, what's, what's, um, what am I leaving? Uh, 
What are the words that might be spoken? But see, that's what death, when you're faced with it, when you have to sit there in a funeral and think about it, what crisis will do, it brings an awareness to reality. And Zedekiah was in a position of crisis. He was facing death. He was facing things in his life that were real. And so who would he go to at this moment? Not to his guys, no. He wanted to hear what Jeremiah would say, but he couldn't quite get over the hump. And that's where Zedekiah was. Jeremiah gives him a real answer, but he doesn't even need to go seek the Lord again. God's word has not changed. You will be delivered into the hand of Babylon. And then he continues, verse 18, Moreover, Jeremiah said unto the king, Zedekiah, what have I offended against thee, or against thy servants, or against this people that you have put me in prison? Where are now your prophets, which prophesied unto you, saying, The king of Babylon shall not come against you, nor against this land? <laughs> Where are those guys at, huh? Therefore, hear now, I pray thee, O Lord the king, let my supplication, I pray thee, be accepted before thee, that thou cause me not to return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, lest I die there. Then Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah into the court of the prison. No, no more in the dungeon, no more in the, in the cell, in the cell. Jeremiah, into the court of the prison, that they should give him a, daily a piece of bread out of the baker's street until all the bread in the city were spent. Thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. These were horrible days. And so, fine, Jeremiah, no problem. I'll let you go, sure. You can stay in the court of the prison. You have a lot more freedom there. It's not quite as bad. And you daily, one time a day, you'll get a piece of bread until the, all the bread in the city is gone. These were dire and horrible days in the city of Jerusalem. And, but at least the king relieved some of Jeremiah's suffering here. So I want to hand it to him for that. But only until the next person impressed upon him. And this is what happens. Ver Jeremiah 38, verse 1. Then Shepatiah, the son of Matan, and Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, and Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, the son of Malchiah. There's going to be a test on all these names, so you better be paying close attention. Heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, so now they're repeating what Jeremiah's words are, Thus saith the Lord, he that remaineth in this city shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, but he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live. Again, if you surrender, you'll live. For he shall have his life for a prey and shall live. Thus saith the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore the princes said unto the king, We beseech thee. Let this man be put to death. So here we are again. They're sick of Jeremiah's talk. All the things he's saying, he's lowering the morale of the soldiers. Nobody wants to fight against Babylon anymore uh, because of what Jeremiah is saying. And so they say, we beseech thee, king, let this man be put to death. For thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in the city and the hands of all the people in speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt. Wow, what a horrible turn. This man is speaking the word of God, but they have twisted it into saying, no, the word of God hurts people. Sad, this is exactly what happens. Verse five, then Zedekiah the king said, behold, he is in your hand. 
For the king is not he that can do anything against you. Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the son of Hamelech, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords. And in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. We don't know how much time passed here between these two uh, incidents, but not much time. Four influential men bring Jeremiah before Marshmallow King Zedekiah, and they want approval to kill him. Uh, King, can we kill him, please? This man is weakening the people's hands. Zedekiah says, his words here, the king is not he that can do anything against you. What? What? You are the king, and you can't do anything in this situation? What a weak king. Unbelievable weakness by this leader. So many similarities, isn't it, with Jesus before Pilate? I find no fault in him, but I'm going to give him to you anyway. Just go ahead and kill Jesus. One commentator said that Zedekiah and Pilate must have graduated from the same school of management. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Actually, people often see many pictures. <laughs> I, I, I'm just refraining. People often see many pictures of Jesus in Jeremiah. And it's so true. When you read the book of Jeremiah, we should be seeing Jesus all over it. The suffering that Jeremiah goes through so pictures our Savior his suffering at the hands, or people just didn't care for him or love him. His own family members turned him away. The suffering that he felt physically, emotionally, spiritually. The fact that Jeremiah wept and wept over Jerusalem. His steadfastness through everything. His cleansing of the temple. His bouts with the religious leaders. Etc., etc., etc. It all points to the Messiah. And it is an example to us as well to all of us, no matter what situation we are in, to take up our cross and follow the Lord. Jeremiah is our example. Jesus is our example, and we follow this. So they take Jeremiah to the king. The king says, ah, I, you know, who am I? I'm just the king. I can't do anything. So go ahead and take him. He delivered him to his death. But these guys, they don't want to spill the blood of Jeremiah, and this is why most likely they did it this way. Because if they actually spilled his blood in some way, they would be guilty before God. And so, because just to kind of uh, get out of shedding man's blood with a technicality, they don't even push him into the cistern. They actually lower him down with ropes. They don't want to shed any blood. So they, they lower him with ropes down into a dungeon or a water cistern. Again, a cistern starts, it's kind of a small opening at the top, opens wide in the bottom. It's a place to catch rainwater. This one was pretty much empty, but there was still a bunch of a very thick mire and muck and mud at the bottom. And Jeremiah sunk in the mire, it says. Cold, wet, sinking in the mire, and they left him there to die. Die of exposure, die of starvation. This is how he was going to die. Picture it. Waist deep maybe in mire, starving, weak, cold, emaciated. He's probably at least 60 years old here and he's, I mean already there's no food in, the, in, the, in town and so he's already wasting away. But thank the Lord, 
God wasn't done with Jeremiah. And when God's servants are in trouble, he always has a plan. When God's people are in trouble, he always has a plan. Whether it's comfort, like he did with Elijah when he sent an angel to give him food, or whether it's sufficient grace like he gave to the Apostle Paul, or it's a rescue plan like we're about to see right now with Jeremiah. God always has his instruments of help, comfort, and rescue ready to go on a moment's notice. And he does for you and he does for me. One of my favorite words in the entire Bible, really quick before we get into this, is sucre. Sucre. We don't use that word uh, these days very much. Hebrews chapter two and verse 17, look at this. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, this is Jesus, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. I love this word, and I like that the King James used this word, sucre. All the other translations, I feel, are kind of weak on this word. Some say he is able to help them. Well, that's nice, but it's, it's, it's stronger than that. The New American Standard says, a little better, it says he's able to aid them. But there's one that's even better, it says come to the aid. But the word is even much stronger than any of those. The actual meaning of this word here in Greek means to run to the aid. Run to the aid. Sucre, it's an old English word, and I'm glad we don't use it so it doesn't lose its power. But it's a powerful truth right here. God can sucre you. (laughs) Jesus will sucre, he will run to the aid of those. He knows how to run to the aid of those when they need it. Some, and how will God succor you? When you're being tempted, when you're going through trials, he is able to succor you. How will he succor you? Well, sometimes just when you least expect it, he will send a person out of the shadows to be there for you. And that's what happened for frail, old, starving Jerry here. Verse seven. <coughs> now, when Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin. Ebed-Melek went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king. He's out, out there, the king is out there sitting in the gate of Benjamin, people all around him. And this man comes to talk to the king in front of everybody. Verse nine, my lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. And he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is. For there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from hence thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he die. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thine armholes under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. So Ebed-Melech here of Ethiopia risks his own life 
to speak to the king and rescue Jeremiah. He is a eunuch, which sometimes referred to a castrated man who served in the king's court, and sometimes it just referred to just an official in the king's court. So we don't know exactly what this is. But this, it does say he is an Ethiopian, or uh, that also could refer to the land that we call Sudan now. So Ethiopian or a Sudanese man. The point is he is not a Jew. He is a Gentile. And, and yet he has a trust in the Lord. In fact, it very clearly spells that out because in chapter 39, we're gonna see next week, it says that this man trusted in the Lord. It's often, the, you know, this, this, the amazing thing about this wonderful story about this man who came to Jeremiah's rescue that nobody would have saw coming. Nobody would have seen this guy. Uh, he was waiting in the shadows. It's often those people that you don't expect who show what they're made of when the crisis comes. And these people are the real heroes of the faith. I love this guy. I love this guy. Look how thoughtful he was. Even down to the fact that he put rags under the ropes so that they would go under Jeremiah's frail arms as they pulled him up. Just so sensitive to the needs of this man. And he brings, and the king allows 30 men. Why'd they need 30 men to pull, this, uh, to pull this skinny prophet out of the hole? They didn't, but because 30 men would stand guard uh, to help in case there was a problem. But here's the, stu- here's the quick uh, word here. God's ministers of mercy are everywhere, and there usually are those quiet folks that sit in the background that you don't notice much until you need them. They're back there just listening to the Lord, loving Jesus, following Jesus, and then they spring into heroic action. They're just there when you need them the most. Ministers of mercy. Oh, that we would all be like that. But back to the story. So the marshmallow king here lets him out, and guess what he does next? You guessed it. The king wants to talk to Jeremiah again. Uh, But I'm sure he'll apologize this time, right? Verse 14. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet unto him into the third entry that is in the house of the Lord. And the king said unto Jeremiah, I will ask thee a thing. Hide nothing from me. Well, guess what? Surprise, surprise. No apology. Just, we're going to see a self-seeking question again. Well, this time Jeremiah wants to be sure, though, that he's not going back into the mire before he says anything. Verse 15, Then Jeremiah said unto Zedekiah, If I declare it unto thee, Wilt thou not surely put me to death? And if I give thee counsel, will not thou hearken unto me? So Zedekiah the king swore secretly unto Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord liveth that made us this soul, I will not put thee to death, neither will I give thee into the hand of these men that seek thy life. <laughs> uh, Jeremiah, listen, I, I'll tell you, but he knows in his mind what God said. God's word doesn't change. But if I tell you, are you going to put me to death? Zedekiah says, I won't do it. I won't put you to death. So with the king's promise, which is about worth as much as Benedict Arnold, Jeremiah now delivers the final word from the Lord before the fall of Jerusalem. This is a big moment here. This is the final word from the Lord before the last day of Israel's or of Judah's uh, as a nation. Verse 17, then said Jeremiah unto Zedekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, that is the God of armies, the God of Israel, if thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes 
then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and thou shalt live, and thine house. But if thou wilt not go forth to the king of Babylon's princes, then shall this city be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and thou shalt not escape out of their hand. Now it's the same message Jeremiah has been giving all this time, but it's, there is a slight difference. He's saying surrender to the Babylonians outside the walls and you personally will be saved. And the city will not be burned. God will, God will keep it from being even completely decimated. He's still gonna, it's still gonna happen. You're still gonna go to Babylon. There's still gonna be all of that. There's still gonna be judgment, but God will hold back. And your family will survive as well. Just surrender to God by surrendering to the Babylonians. Whoever's listening to me right now, whether you're listening in this room or you're on a recording, you're on a podcast and you're listening to me at this very moment, surrender to God's word is always the best choice. Always. You just surrender. The safest place we can be is in the center of God's will. You just surrender. But think about the huge implications here. The fate of himself, his city, his family are in the hands of this marshmallow king. We talked about it last week, but one man's obedience, Jonadab the Rechabite, one man's obedience set his legacy up, set his whole family up. And now one's man disobedience. What, what could that do in a family? Verse 19, and Zedekiah the king said unto Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews that are fallen to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hand and they mock me. So we finally get to the heart of what is motivating this man to make his choices, that all these choices that he's been making, it's the fear of man. I'm afraid of the Jews. They'll mock me. And this is why he's not taking Jeremiah's deal. He's not taking God's deal. And he's not surrendering to the Lord. He seems to be here referring to the Jews that have already defected and they're gonna be basically saying, see, we told you we were right. Why didn't you do this sooner? We told you so, told you so, told you so. He was so worried about that that he wouldn't just give in. Verse 20, but Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver thee. Obey, I beseech thee, the voice of the Lord, which I speak unto thee. So it shall be well unto thee and thy soul shall live. Who cares if you lose some reputation? We're talking about your soul. Do you not see the value of your soul? So many people don't see the value of their soul. They would give, it, they would give up everything, and Jesus talked about that. This is not a small thing. Obeying God is serious. It's serious, Zedekiah. This is not a small thing. This is your soul. Surrender to the Lord. If you're a Christian, surrender. If you're not a Christian, give your heart to the Lord, your, your soul, your soul. What would, it gain, what would you gain if you gained the whole world and yet lost your soul? Obeying God is a serious thing. Verse 21, but if thou refuse to go forth, this is the word that the Lord has showed me. And behold, all the women that are left in the king of Judah's house shall be brought forth to the king of Babylon's princes, and those women shall say, Thy friends have set thee on and have prevailed against thee. They have, thy feet are sunk in the mire and they are turned away back. So they shall bring out all thy wives and thy children to the Chaldeans and thou shalt not escape out of their hand but shall be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon. And thou shalt cause the city to be burned with fire 
In other words, think about this, Zedekiah. If you refuse, you will be led away and mocked by the women for listening to your friends. And all the other judgments will happen on top of that. So this is a no-brainer. You're going to be mocked either way, so just do it. Surrender to God. Then said, then said Zedekiah to Jeremiah, let no man know of these words, but, and thou shalt not die. Sigh. <laughs> he can't do it. He just can't do it. All he cares about is keeping this secret, this little conversation between him and Jeremiah. Just, just keep this a secret, Jeremiah. Just keep this a secret. I'm so afraid of what people are going to say, the fear of man. But if the princes, verse 25, hear that I had talked with thee, and they come unto thee, and they say, declare unto us what thou said to the king. Hide it not from us, and we will not put thee to death. Also what the king said. Then shalt thou say unto them, I presented my supplication before the king, that he would not cause me to return to Jonathan's house to die there. Then came all the princes unto Jeremiah, asked him, and they told him according to all the words, and the king had commanded, and so they left off speaking with him. For the matter was not perceived. So Jeremiah abode in the court of the prison until the day that Jer Jerusalem was taken. And he was there when Jerusalem was taken. So Zedekiah basically just tells Jeremiah, don't tell everything that we talked about here uh, that took place in our meeting. And Jeremiah complies. He did not lie. He just didn't tell everything that was, was said. He gave some, not all. But look at this real quick as we end. Once again, Zedekiah's fear of man was stronger than his fear of God. He's refusing the mercy and the salvation of the Lord because a few people would make fun of him. He also is going to be allowing his whole family to be killed and the city to be burned for this petty reason. It really is amazing how small our reasons can be for not obeying the Lord. Because somebody at work might say something. Because somebody in my family might look at me strange or think funny of me or whatever. And I, don't, I won't surrender completely and I won't just be who God's called me to be because of this little reason. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. It's a trap. And I'm ashamed to say it. I can't beat up on Zedekiah too much here because who among us, and I, me included, I, I am ashamed to say that I've been too many times I've let the fear of man stop me from saying or doing what I should have done and obeying the Lord. What will you do when the pressure is on to conform? And that's why it comes back to this. Will you be a marshmallow or an iron pillar? Lord, I pray that, oh God, as you see. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.